0: Hey everyone and welcome to the latest episode in my A to Z of musicals and this time we're looking at all things beginning with the letter S and I kind of knew when I was planning this months back that there were so many letter S's I didn't think I'd be able to fit them into one podcast and I was right In the same way with letter M, I've decided to split this into two shows. Otherwise, I would be missing out really key, important shows and people. So today is part one of letter S, and I hope you enjoy it. So let's get straight in. Now, I think it's fair to say that I've talked about Richard M. and Robert B. Sherman, the Sherman Brothers, quite a few times already on my journey through this A to Z of musicals. But it's important under the letter S that they get another special mention, in fact, two. So, of course, the Sherman Brothers, we know, uh, wrote the music for the classic Disney films Mary Poppins and The Jungle Book, most of the songs from The Jungle Book. The Happiest Millionaire, the 1971 film Bedknobs and Broomsticks, which I talk about, obviously, as one of my favourite films under the letter B. But just to say with Bedknobs and Broomsticks that it's just been announced, the casting for the brand new stage production, which will make its world premiere on the 14th of August this year, 2021, at the Theatre Royal in Newcastle. And it's been announced that Diane Pilkington is going to play the part of Eglantine Price, and that's absolutely brilliant news. She's amazing. And she'll be joined by Charles Brunton as Professor Amelius Brown, equally brilliant. And I saw him, uh, he took over as the trunchbull in Matilda in the West End, and he's a f- fantastic performer as well. So, just a, a bed knobs update. But the Sherman Brothers, they actually wrote the music and the screenplay for the 1976 film The Slipper and the Rose. And this is a film that really people seem to have forgotten about, uh, or they have listened recently to people talking about this on other podcasts. And it's wonderful to hear it being mentioned. I always loved this film. It's The Cinderella Story, but it's fully developed. It's got the most incredible score. It has amazing performers and actors and actresses in it. In fact, it's like a who's who of British talent at the time. Gemma Craven plays Cinderella and she was just stunning. So beautiful. Her voice is gorgeous. Gemma Craven has gone on to do all kinds of things. She was in there playing our song Um, I saw her in a touring production of South Pacific as Nellie Forbush in 1987 and actually she was also Mrs Potts in Beauty and the Beast when it was at the Dominion Theatre in the West End. I saw her along with John Barrowman and Michelle Gale actually was Belle when I saw it uh, back in 1999. And I was just flicking through the programme, actually, of that performance. And some of the ensemble w- were incredible. I wouldn't have known who they were at the time, but Susie Fennick was in that ensemble and Annalene Beachy, who of course, uh, starred as Anna Leonowens in the most recent UK touring production of The King and I. And she was stunning. The cast included People like Michael Horden and Lally Bowers, Dame Edith Evans and Margaret Lockwood. Just incredible. And, of course, Richard Chamberlain, who wasn't known as a singer, uh, played the part of The Prince, along with his sidekick, John, played by the wonderful Christopher Gable, who I've always had a soft spot for. Christopher Gable was in the film adaptation of The Boyfriend with Twiggy and... Uh, Whilst it's not uh, particularly well-known or well-loved these days, that film, I think it's got something very special about it. Uh, We also had in The Slipper and the Rose, Annette Crosby. And Wayne Sleep was even credited as a dancer in the film. The The film was chosen as the Royal Command Performance that year, 1976. I remember that. I remember the posters and... um, It was on the news when the Queen Mother actually went to see the the film and uh, really loved it as well, particularly the music. Um, I also want to give the Sherman Brothers another mention under the letter S for a musical review, if you like, A Spoonful of Sherman. And this opened in London at the St. James Theatre back in April of 2014, and it only ran for a few performances. I was so lucky to see this. And it had four brilliant performers, Emma Williams, Charlotte Wakefield, Stuart Matthew Price, and Greg Castiglione. And they were just wonderful performing music from the lifetime of Richard M. and Robert B. Sherman, and their father, actually, who also was a, a composer. And within this show, they sang, of course, uh, some of the greatest hits. They sang Let's Get Together from Disney's 1961 film, The Parent Trap, which uh, the Sherman Brothers had written and Haley Mills sang in the film. And uh, Charlotte Wakefield sang Tell Him Anything. And that's my favourite song from... The Slipper and the Rose. It's absolutely beautiful. But it wasn't the one that was nominated for an Academy Award. That was the Slipper and the Rose Waltz, or He Slash She Danced With Me. And it didn't win, but it was great to be nominated. And they were also nominated for Best Original Score by Angela Morley. So The Slipper and the Rose and A Spoonful of Sherman and the Sherman Brothers... There you go. Now my next pair I think follow beautifully on from the Sherman Brothers because there are quite a few crossovers. This is the fantastic pairing and collaborative team of George Stiles and Anthony Drew. Stiles and Drew who have been working together on musical creations for over 30 years and they met back at Exeter University in the early 1980s. And they've produced some amazing shows. Uh, Their first collaboration was in 1984 on a musical uh, version of Tutankhamen. And then they've worked on a lot of shows that have uh, either a kind of a fairy tale or children's book theme running through them. So in 1989, they worked on the Rudyard Kipling stories just so and they were presented at the Watermill Theatre in Newbury which is such a gorgeous theatre and it's actually being revived this summer back at the Watermill this summer 2021 and uh, it's such a great place to go and watch any kind of theatre so if you get the chance go along. Uh, Stiles and Drew worked on Honk which was commissioned by the Watermill, but ended up as a National Theatre production and did win an Olivier Award for Best Musical in 2000. And that's the story of the Ugly Duckling. They worked on a musical adventure of Peter Pan in 1997. And then, most famously, they were commissioned by Cameron McIntosh to write new additional material for the stage adaptation of Mary Poppins and this opened in 2004 and uh, it stayed in the West End for three years and actually just before first lockdown had returned to the West End so I'm looking forward to seeing Mary Poppins fly again at some point and I do talk about this show at length in my Letter M podcast podcast. Styles and Drew then went on to write the music for Betty Blue Eyes, which is the stage musical adaptation of the film A Private Function. And I talk about this in my Letter B podcast, uh, and it stars Sarah Lancashire. I went to see their next collaboration, which was Soho Cinders, which is a, a modern take on Cinderella. So Andrew Lloyd Webber... There have been plenty of versions of this. This was a great show actually. It started as a concert performance in October 2011, and then a fully staged production at the Soho Theatre in 2012, which is where I saw it. And it had a great cast, including the wonderful Jenna Russell. Styles and Drew continued with their fairy tale theme. They did musicals for The Three Little Pigs, Goldilocks and the Three Bears, and the Three Billy Goats Gruff, as well as The Wind in the Willows. And their next biggest hit probably would be, um, after Mary Poppins, Half a Sixpence. And I talk about this in my Letter H podcast, but this was the new musical version with many of the original songs by David Henneker from the original production, plus a whole host of new material that augmented the original songs by Stiles and Drew. And I saw this when it was at the Chichester Festival Theatre and again when it then transferred in 2016 to the West End. And it really is a brilliant production. And Charlie Stemp uh, was a star in that show as Arthur Kipps. In most recent times, Stars and Drew have uh, worked on a new musical called Becoming Nancy based on a novel of the same name by Terry Ronald. And just before lockdown in uh, 2020, their latest piece of work was meant to open at the Nottingham Playhouse. And this is the new musical adaptation of the 1949 book, Lottie and Lisa which we will know better as the Disney film The Parent Trap and this is the new musical Identical which I had tickets for so I was gutted when this show couldn't go ahead because of the pandemic but it has been announced just in the last few weeks that Identical will be performed at the Nottingham Playhouse next year in 2022 and I cannot wait And Stiles and Drew continue working. Apparently they're working on a show uh, based on the film Soap Dish and Travels With My Aunt based on the novel by Graham Greene. And this is an amazing pairing. So Stiles and Drew. Now I know that I have been incredibly fortunate over the years to have seen some amazing productions and performers and one of them is the fabulous Imelda Staunton. Wow, what a talented actor she is. Uh, She's won four Olivier Awards, and three of them for Best Leading Performance in a Musical, actually. She's just amazing when you watch her perform, whether it be on television, or film, or stage, she is totally different every time. Uh, She's made some brilliant films, including Peter's Friends, which I love, uh, the Kenneth Branagh Much Ado About Nothing, which is one of my favourite film adaptations of Shakespeare's plays. Uh, Of course, as the wicked Dolores Umbridge in the Harry Potter films. And I didn't realise until researching that she actually did the voice of Aunt Lucy, Paddington's auntie, uh, in both Paddington films. The first time I got to see Imelda Staunton on stage was back in 1997, in the National Theatre revival of Guys and Dolls. Now in fact, it was revived in 1982 by the National Theatre and Imelda Staunton was in that production. And then it came back in 1996 for a second revival of that same production and uh, Imelda was in it again. I saw her as Miss Adelaide in August of 1997 with a glorious cast including Joanna Riding as Sarah Brown and Clive Rowe and Clark Peters. Absolutely amazing um, I then saw uh, Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barbara Fleet Street, which was the 2012 Chichester Festival Theatre production that transferred to the West End, to the Adelphi Theatre. And Michael Ball was Sweeney Todd, and he was absolutely phenomenal in that part so dark, and uh, I just didn't recognise him at all. Uh, Imelda played Mrs. Lovett and was just perfect in that part. And in fact, she and Michael Ball were the recipients of many awards and and, uh, praise at that time because it was a stunning production. Um, I actually went that year, for the one and only time, to the What's On Stage Awards, which was held at the Palace Theatre, in February 2013, and Imelda Staunton and Michael Ball were um, presented with awards there. But for me, it was so exciting because I was just, I was sitting on my own in the theatre, in the stalls, surrounded by all of these amazing performers, including uh, Tim Minchin was there, Melanie C, Will Young... Uh, Adrian Lester and I went to the toilet at the uh, before the show started and West End Producer was in there so that was a real treat um, if you don't know West End Producer follow him on Twitter at West End Producer he's very very funny and has written a couple of books as well uh, about life in the theatre community uh, Imelda Staunton then was in Gypsy as Mama Rose. And again, this was a Chichester Festival Theatre production. I saw this in Chichester in October 2014, and then it went to the Savoy, and I saw it again a couple of times, actually, whilst it was there. And I discovered that she actually used her own dog, whose name is Molly, to play Chousey, during that production. Um, what else have I seen her in? I actually saw Imelda Staunton in Joe Orton's Entertaining Mr Sloan, the very dark comedy, which was on at the Trafalgar Studios in 2009. And uh, it was very funny. I mean, she's just a, a, a classic actor. And uh, interestingly, at the Trafalgar Studios' just during lockdown, has been completely renovated and has returned to one theatre, one stage, rather than the two that it it previously had. And there are some stunning photographs of the interior of the Trafalgar Theatre online. I was meant to be seeing Imelda Staunton last year in a much, much uh, anticipated revival in the West End of Hello Dolly, and Imelda was going to play uh, Dolly Levi, and uh, it has been announced that that will still happen, hopefully in 2023, I think I read. Um, But for now, that's not happening, which is a real shame, because she was going to be joined by the fabulous Jenna Russell as Irene Malloy. Well, let's wait and see. So the next time we'll probably get to see Imelda Staunton on the television is in the next series of The Crown. She takes over the role of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. And I cannot wait. Imelda Staunton, an absolute legend. Now, the amazing Andrew Lloyd Webber has brought us Five, yes, five musicals beginning with the letter S. The first one way back in 1978, Tell Me on a Sunday. And this was written originally as a one-act, one-woman song cycle. And he used the wonderful Marty Webb, who actually was already working in his show Evita in London. And uh, Marty Webb made this show her own. In fact, when Andrew Lloyd Webber was working with lyricist Don Black, he would sit at great length with Marty Webb and ask her about her life and incorporate some of her own personal events into the story and into the lyrics of the song. So really, Tell Me on a Sunday is very personal to Marty Webb. Uh, Lloyd Webber first presented Tell Me on a Sunday on a live TV special where Marty Webb sang out to the nation in the UK. And that aired on television in February of 1980. Now, Marty Webb actually had also had the song Take That Look Off Your Face released and it reached number three in the UK singles chart. So the show became quite uh, a popular being talked about show. It didn't actually open in London until 1982 and by this point it had grown from the one act to a two act show, the first half being all about dance and the second half being this song cycle and so it changed its name to Song and Dance and the explosive performer, dancer um, Wayne Sleep, he actually performed the first half of the show and Marty Webb performed the second half of the show. Andrew Lloyd Webber had written his variations and that was the music for The first half of the show. Uh, Song and Dance opened in 1982 on the 26th of March at the Palace Theatre and it ran for two years. And interestingly, um, when Marty Webb left the show, it was taken over by some really great performers, including Gemma Craven, who I talk about in this episode when we listened to Slipper and the Rose, and also Sarah Brightman took on the role. The show did make its way to Broadway, and Bernadette Peters actually won her first Tony Award for Best Actress in a Musical for her performance in this. And when the show reached Broadway, it was actually lengthened, um, they tell me on a Sunday part, and Richard Maltby, Americanized the lyrics for this show. So, Tell Me on a Sunday, Song and Dance, the first letter S for Andrew Lloyd Webber, and the second one, of course, the roller skating spectacular Starlight Express. And this opened in the West End on the 27th of March, 1984, and it ran for a staggering 7,406 performances, nearly 18 years at the Apollo Victoria Theatre, which is now the home of Wicked. Again, Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote the music, lyrics by Richard Stilgoe. Now, I saw this original production at the Apollo Victoria, and I remember this amazing elaborate set designed by the incredible John Napier and of course John Napier designed the set for Cats. He would later design for Les Mis, Miss Saigon and Sunset Boulevard. When you walked into the Apollo Victoria Theatre for Starlight Express the entire auditorium had been changed and adapted and in fact There were gates and railings that uh, lifted up. There was a a hydraulic bridge that spun around over the stage to make the track and to make it safe so that actually the roller skating engines could go right out in and amongst and around the audience on both levels of the stalls and the circle. It was incredible to watch and uh, I really wish that the uh, touring productions that subsequently followed had even half of the uh, exhilarating, thrilling excitement of that original production, because uh, I have seen the, the touring production, three different touring productions, and whilst I have always enjoyed it because I like the music and the concept, it's never been as good as that original staging in the West End. Having said that, of course, in 1988 in Germany, there was a purpose-built theatre especially designed and created for a permanent uh, exhibition of this show in Bochum in Germany and it still makes me want to go. I would love to go to Germany to see this production. Starlight Express had a book by Andrew Lloyd Webber and Trevor Nunn Andrew wanted to write a show for his son and uh, he was really interested in the Thomas the Tank Engine stories but the author of those, Reverend Audrey, said no. So Andrew came up with the idea himself along with Trevor Nunn who directed this production. I was delighted this week actually to see in the Queen's Birthday Honours List that Arlene Phillips, the choreographer of Starlight Express, has been made a dame, and she's worked in theatre and television her entire life and uh, is so deserving of this special honour. So well done, Dame Arlene Phillips. And also, just as an aside, Tell Me on a Sunday is going to be going out on a new UK tour very, very soon, sometime this summer, I believe with Jodie Prenger in the lead role. So that's something else to look forward to. Now, before I get to my final and, for me, greatest Andrew Lloyd Webber score, not just a letter S, but of all, there are two others to mention, School of Rock and Stephen Ward. Okay, I've mentioned them. Let's move on to Sunset Boulevard based on the 1950 Paramount Studios classic film of the same name by Billy Wilder. It's very much really a case of art-imitating life here because Gloria Swanson, who had been a silent movie star, is now playing Norma Desmond, the faded star of silent films. And also uh, Eric von Stroheim plays the part of Max von Mayerling. And he was, in real life, a famous silent movie director, actor and producer. And the story is dark and sad and poignant and dramatic. And it really just builds into this incredible, powerful story. And so the subject matter for me was a perfect choice for a musical and in fact Stephen Sondheim had spoken to director Billy Wilder earlier about the possibility of making this into a musical but Billy Wilder wasn't really interested and so that was abandoned and then even later Hal Prince invited Stephen Sondheim to do the music for a film adaptation, a musical film adaptation uh, starring Angela Lansbury but by this point Sondheim had turned it down, he wasn't really interested The Sunset Boulevard musical that we know was composed by Andrew Lloyd Webber with a book and lyrics by Christopher Hampton and Don Black and Andrew Lloyd Webber had actually brought these two together to do the lyrics and the libretto and I think they did a brilliant job. The show opened in the West End at the Adelphi Theatre on the 12th of July 1993 but it had been a work in progress for quite a while and of course Andrew Lloyd Webber tests out his ideas at the Sidmonton Festival and way back in 1991 He presented uh, a short version of this with Rhea Jones singing the part of Norma Desmond. And, of course, Rhea went on to play Norma Desmond at the uh, London Coliseum a few years ago as Glenn Close's understudy and has subsequently toured the whole of the United Kingdom in the Curve Theatre production of Sunset Boulevard, and during lockdown, they presented a streamed production of it, which was absolutely phenomenal as well. Um, In nineteen ninety two, a second uh, presentation at the Sidmonton Festival, uh, more depth this time, with Patty Lapone singing the part of Norma Desmond, and it was then that Andrew Lloyd Webber promised Patty that she would. sing this show in London and on Broadway and she was given a contract that said she would do both. Of course uh, we know now that that didn't happen in, in full. Patty did go on to open and originate the the part in the West End and there is a, a fantastic recording of the original production. Um, Design, set design by John Napier and costumes by Anthony Powell. The show is incredible to look at and listen to. But it did have mixed reviews, particularly from American critics that were uh, watching the London production. And uh, I've just reread from Patty Lepone's memoir, the whole section around her time in Sunset Boulevard, and she describes it as a devastating experience. In fact, if you haven't read this, there are three chapters, really, that talk about her time in this show, and it's really fascinating, and there's no holes barred. She um, is scathing about the way that she was treated, particularly by Andrew Lloyd Webber. and so, of course, when the show opened in America, first of all, it opened in Los Angeles, and Glenn Close played the part of Norma Desmond in Los Angeles, and then she took the show to Broadway, not Patty Lepone. Um, funnily, in the in Patty Lepone's memoir, she does talk of uh, the financial settlement that she did ultimately get. And one of the things that she did, uh, as well as renovating her home, was to have a swimming pool built. And she's called it the Andrew Lloyd Webber Memorial Swimming Pool. So, you know, she did ultimately uh, get to laugh about it, but it sounds like it was a really bad experience. And of course, she sued Andrew Lloyd Webber for breach of contract. The show opened on Broadway with Glenn Close and George Hearn and uh, Alice Ripley and Alan Campbell, and it did win seven Tony Awards, including Best Musical. So the show has so much merit, but there have been a lot of issues, particularly with the set and design. The, uh, The staging used incredible hydraulic systems Uh, where the whole of the house kind of um, lowered down from uh, uh, above the stage, if you like, and and moved forward. And I remember when I saw this the first time being completely blown away, I think the set got a a round of applause. It was just magnificent to see this huge, grand house uh, that belonged to Norma Desmond appear on the stage in front of you, but it notoriously would break down or even move forward when it wasn't supposed to do. And uh, the cast had to struggle with that. Now in preparation for today's podcast. I did ask my lovely friend Colin about Sunset Boulevard. Because he is obsessed with this show. He has seen it at least 300 times. Yes, yes. That's 300 times. I thought I was bad with Les Miserables, but that's just unbelievable, isn't it? And uh, I asked him about his favourite Norma Desmonds. And whilst he listed lots of people that he's thoroughly enjoyed, the two that came out tops were Rita Marino and... Deborah Byrne. Well, of course, Rita Marino, everybody knows from her amazing performance in the film of West Side Story and as a younger actress in uh, The King and I. But she is a brilliant performer. And in fact, um, Colin said that he was really starstruck and and found it difficult to um, talk because he was in the presence of a real true star. And he felt that her performance as uh, Norma Desmond was haunted and heartbreaking. He said it was an outstanding performance. She genuinely was a huge star and possessed the stage. He couldn't take his eyes off her. And it's a shame, really because she only did a relatively short run in the West End in Sunset Boulevard. And Colin's second favourite, or equal favourite, Was Deborah Byrne. Now she was the original Norma Desmond in Australia. The show opened in 1996 and she had Hugh Jackman opposite her as Joe Gillis and uh, the show opened in Melbourne. Uh, Unfortunately her performances were interrupted by frequent and sudden absences on her part. Um, but she's noted for being the original Grizabella in Australia, production of Cats, the original Fontaine in Australia. And in fact, it's her voice on the complete symphonic recording of Les Miserables that was released in 1988 as Fontaine. According to Colin, Deborah Byrne's performance as Norma Desmond was so frightening and intense that you were... Uncomfortable watching it, and uh, that was what made it so amazing to see. And of course, I've seen the fabulous Betty Buckley in this show. She took over uh, when Patty Lapone left, and she was absolutely brilliant. And I talk about her and the show in the Letter B podcast. I also saw Elaine Page as Norma Desmond. I thought she was stunning in this role. Colin said that her appearance was the most like Gloria Swanson from the original 1950 film. And in fact, the film was nominated for 11 Academy Awards and won three of them. And it is often ranked amongst the greatest films ever made. Interestingly, Sunset Boulevard did not win the Academy Award for Best Film in 1950, The winner that year was All About Eve, the wonderful Betty Davis classic picture. So I've seen Sunset Boulevard in a number of other productions as well. In 2002, there was a touring production that came to Manchester with Faith Brown, the TV personality and comedian and impersonator, um, as Norma Desmond. And she did a really good job. And then we had... In December 2008, I went to London to the Comedy Theatre, which is now the Harold Pinter, to see a Craig Revel Horwood production of Sunset Boulevard that I think had been on at the Watermill Theatre previously. And this had Catherine Evans as Norma Desmond, and she did a really good job with the wonderful Laura Pitt Palford as Betty Schaefer. And then in more recent times, we had the semi-staged production at the London Coliseum where Glenn Close reprised the role of Norma Desmond and uh, famously Rhea Jones was the understudy and in fact Rhea Jones had to go on for quite a number of performances and uh, as a result of that Rhea Jones then got a touring production in um, 2017-18 a Curve theatre production that toured the UK. And then during lockdown, Curve did this amazing online streamed production with Rhea Jones and Danny Mac reprising their roles, along with the fabulous Adam Pearce as Max and Molly Lynch as Betty Schafer. So many productions, so much we can say about this show. Um, apparently, the set from the original production was destroyed, which is heartbreaking. It was such a phenomenal set, and it was so expensive. In fact, uh, the cast, at the cost of the set, apparently was uh, 20 million plus pounds, and it was never recouped. So the show, even though it ran for over two years in the West End, did not make its money back. But it, for me, is still up there as one of the greatest musicals ever, And I look forward to the film adaptation, which apparently is going to start filming anytime soon with Glenn Close, again, reprising her role. And Rob Ashford is set to direct. So there you go, Sunset Boulevard. I think it's fair to call my next letter S a musical legend, Julie Stein. The composer and producer of amazing shows such as Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, Peter Pan, Bells Are Ringing, Hallelujah Baby. Uh, of course, he collaborated with Bob Merrill on two shows, Funny Girl in 1964, which I talk about at length in my Letter F podcast. And also the musical Sugar a Letter S musical that opened on Broadway in 1972. And this show was based on the hugely successful and very, very funny 1959 Billy Wilder film, Some Like It Hot. And Sugar, the musical, had Tony Roberts and Robert Morse in the original cast, and both of those are comic legends, so I would have loved to have seen that production. Julie Stein, of course, also brought us the wonderful Gypsy with Stephen Sondheim back in 1959. And I have talked about many of uh, Julie Stein's productions throughout these podcasts, but it was worth mentioning him as a letter S legend. My next letter S musical is Sweet Charity. I love the show. I love the film. I was first introduced to it watching the film with my mum and my younger sister. And I have to say now, looking back, how totally inappropriate it was that we were allowed to watch this film, really, because we were young. And the story centres around the wonderful Charity Hope Valentine, who was a dance hall hostess. She is ever hopeful and looking for love, and I just love her character. Her name, Charity Hope Valentine, is just perfect for her. And, of course, I saw the 1969 film, which was directed by Bob Fosse in his directorial debut, and I do talk about him back in my Letter F podcast. Shirley MacLaine was joined by Tudor Rivera and Paula Kelly and Stubby Kay and John McMartin, who had been in the original cast uh, when it opened on Broadway on the 29th of January 1966. Now, Shirley MacLaine, I think, was great in that film. A lot of people feel that she just didn't have the energy and uh, quirkiness that Gwen Verdon brought to the stage. And of course, that may well be the case. But as often happens, the first time you see something, that becomes your sort of accepted standard. So, Shirley MacLaine, for me, I thought she was great. I watched this film over and over with my sister. We taped it off the television on our VHS recorder and we would rewind. And there were two scenes in particular that we were obsessed by. The rich man's frog, that incredible dance routine that was choreographed by Bob Fosse and it's during the nightclub scene. And the dance... Uh, And the choreography in that is just stunning. I could watch that over and over and over all day long. And the other scene that my sister and I were obsessed by was Sammy Davis Jr. singing Rhythm of Life. That scene as well. Just hysterically funny. And this film is very funny, as well as being extremely poignant and moving. Of course... The Broadway production was where it all started and this was a, a comedy vehicle, really, built around the dancing star Gwen Verdon and uh, Bob Fossey did the direction and choreography on stage and it was based on uh, Frederick Fellini's film, 1957 film, Knights of Cabiria. The show has some amazing songs and uh, routines in it. And, of course, music by a very young Cy Coleman with lyrics by uh, a much older Dorothy Fields. And, apparently, Cy Coleman was really nervous working with the veteran Dorothy Fields. Uh, This was her only production as well, um, West sweet charity to have, a West End production. So, Charity Hope Valentine and her friends just bring the stage to life. And there have been lots of revivals. Debbie Allen in 1986, uh, again, directed by Fossey, actually, and Christina Applegate in 2005, less successful, really. But, of course, the original cast with Gwen Verdon, Helen Gallagher, John McMartin... ...was so successful. It was nominated for nine Tony Awards. It ran for 608 performances. And it's a, a landmark show, really, isn't it? It came to London in 1967 with Juliet Prowse in the lead role. And in more recent times, there have been other productions. In the West End in 1998 with the fabulous Bonnie Langford... And I saw in 2010 the a Chocolate Factory production with Tamsin Arthwaite as Sweet Charity, and she was great. Uh, also in that production were Mark Umbers and Josephina Gabrielle and Tiffany Graves. Some of these are my uh, favourite performers in the West End. In fact, I saw Tiffany Graves only this week on a streamed um, Staging of Far From Heaven, the musical. And I did see, actually, a production at the Royal Exchange in Manchester with the wonderful Kaiser Hammerlund as Charity Hope Valentine. In fact, uh, I talk about Kaiser in the Letter H podcast. And the most recent production I saw of Sweet Charity was back in 2018 at the Nottingham Playhouse, this time with Rebecca Traherne, Another incredible talent. So Sweet Charity for me has always been up there. I I think it was always in my top 10 favourite shows. uh, Probably until only fairly recently. And it certainly is in my top 10 favourite movie musicals ever. Sweet Charity. Now I have two quick letter S mentions. Firstly for the 1991 Broadway musical, The Secret Garden, based on that famous children's novel by Frances Hodgson Burnett. And it's the story of a little orphaned Mary Lennox who ends up uh, staying with her uncle Archibald. And this show has music by Lucy Simon with lyrics and book by Marcia Norman. The show opened in 1991 on Broadway and actually had 706 performances. And there is a a really lovely original cast recording. This starred Mandy Patinkin, Rebecca Luca, Daisy Egan as Mary, uh, Alison Fraser, John Cameron Mitchell, a great cast with strong performances, but quite mixed reviews. I saw this show when it came to the West End in 2001, I saw it at the Old Oldwich Theatre. And again, an amazing cast with some of my favourites, including Lindsay Haitley, who I talk about in the Letter H podcast, Dilly Lay, Freddie Davis, Emma Barton, Meredith Braun, who I absolutely love, Carmen Cusack, Peter Polycarpoo and Philip Quast. What a great cast that was, and I talk about Philip in the Letter Q podcast. So The Secret Garden. The second brief mention was for the 1997 The Scarlet Pimpernel, and this opened on Broadway. Well, interestingly, three times it opened on Broadway. Not quite sure how you managed that, but this is uh, a musical with music by Frank Wildhorn and lyrics and book by Nan Knighton. And the show opened uh, in 1997, was panned mostly by the critics, but ran for 373 performances. It closed, some changes were made, cast was changed, uh, and it reopened in 1998, and another 239 performances. And then it closed and some more changes were made and some more casts and, and it reopened again. So it had a th- another 132 performances, which is crazy really, isn't it? Um. Anyway, that's what happens on Broadway. The Scarlet Pimpernel, I have a cast recording of this and I have to say, I've listened to it just recently. It sounds very similar in many ways to uh, Wildhorn's Jekyll and Hyde um, which I love so I'm not saying it's not a good score but it's very very similar. Anyway there you go a quick mention for The Secret Garden and The Scarlet Pimpernel. Now I've reached the part of my podcast where I reflect and think who've we missed, what shows and which creatives have we not talked about beginning with the letter S. Well first of all There were so many S's that I've decided, as you know, to split this into two shows. But there are still loads and loads that will not get a proper mention. So here are some of the letter S's that don't get mentioned, even though they all are deserving of it. SpongeBob SquarePants, the 2016 Broadway hit. Scrooge. Stop the World I Want to Get Off, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark that I saw in 2010, and enough said about that. Sally, the 1920 musical, Sarafina, the gorgeous Lea Salonga, Salad Days, Shuffle Along, Meryl Streep, we haven't talked about Meryl Streep and her musical film, uh, experiences shall we say we haven't talked about the cliff richard film a summer holiday that has subsequently been made into a stage show and actually i saw uh, a production at the octagon theater in bolton which is a wonderful theater with my friend may and one of the great things about that was you had to start the journey for the show at the bus station And we were collected on a bus, and the song started on the bus tour, and we drove around different uh, locations in Bolton before we reached the theatre. We've not talked about the 1968 Julie Andrews film Star, where she plays the part of Gertrude Lawrence, although I did talk about that in the letter A for Julie Andrews. We haven't talked about Songs for a New World or A Star Is Born. And of course, I've touched on that a few times, particularly talking about Judy Garland. Um, But we haven't done A Star Is Born, as we haven't done Barbara Joan Streisand. But do not worry, she's still coming up later in the alphabet. But for now, I'm going to take a breath because that was a lot that we've missed. And uh, hopefully I'll see you in part two of Letter S when that is published next week. So until then, have a Doris Day.